This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Microphone on. Let me try that again. Welcome to the third hour of the show, hosted by me. You should know my name by now. All right, I got three pages of text messages here. LT says, "In these situations, when women publicly defend a man accused of these accusations, and they know her, and they are part of that organization, it's because they have desires for that man too." LT says, if Nuggets will jump Cam Newton, Nuggets will jump a pastor. So stay tuned. Did Cam Newton get jumped? By who? Cam Newton, a football player? What's happening? There's, there's a lot of partying going on at producer studio. It's supposed to be dark and quiet and cold and no one in there. Carrie is in here looking like she just came back from a Middle Eastern sabbatical. What? She just gave me the finger. She did. I know you ain't saying nothing, Rhea. I know you ain't. What? I can. Right now? At, at this moment, right now, in the middle of a radio program, the best radio program. Well, it's not on planet Earth, obviously, because that's DT and tell. So we're on the best radio program. What on a on a on a Tuesday? I got a bunch of stuff going on here. Grant says the Bible comes in many translations. Try the New Living Translation. No, Uncle Steve said patiently awaiting Al's call. Well, Al just called. Um. Okay. So then. Let me read these in order from Mr. XL. Hey, Sherwin is Kenneth Locke's family of the notorious Michael Locke. Michael was convicted of double murder and mortgage fraud back in the early 2000s. He was even on American Greed TV series. So I'm going to go ahead and say no, Mr. XL, because you the locks are spelled different. You spell one with an E and one without an E. So unless that's a typo, I don't I'm unfamiliar. I expressed my, Carrie, remember that day in the cafe, I expressed my concerns about Pastor Kenneth Locke. I said, something ain't right with a pastor being a thirst trap. And you were like, no, I like him. I like Pastor Locke. And what's crazy is there was a woman that I met some time ago that I had to stop talking to because she was in love with him too. She didn't stop talking about him. She and I met to talk about like, business stuff and she would not stop gushing about that pastor and she was a younger woman who had been through some really hard times she's like no pastor Locke was there for me i love his church I, he's my pastor let's talk to jd the official poet laureate of 1017 the truth mr jd masters hello jd how are you I'm well. Uh, nothing exists in a vacuum, whether it's religion or racism or um, even positive things uh, that, or neutral things. We're all interconnected and interdependent on each other. 
And I, I wrote a an essay. I, I won't read it unless you say it's okay. I, I use the N-word four times in there, and it's a reason for it. But um, it's, I think it would be poignant and tie everything that we're talking about together, if allowed. Because How I long is it? word isn't actually offensive. How long it's is short, it? It's short. It's an essay. Less yeah, but, than a minute. Oh, well, go ahead. All right. Read it as God written. Doesn't make, I am. God doesn't make niggas. America makes niggas. This country was founded by men that were mostly deists who built the scaffolding with Judeo-Christian values and slave labor. America is not and has never been a Christian nation. God is invoked for convenience and sanctimony. Christ is rarely mentioned. The founding fathers also studied tenets of Islam and had a keen awareness of the controlling influence of religion on the masses. Enslaved Africans were forced to practice Christianity because Islam and indigenous African religions require retribution and do not espouse perpetual slavery. True Christianity, acting like Christ, requires freedom. Niggas ain't and never will be free. A nigga is controlled and subdued economically, spatially, spiritually, and physically. While the term was coined in the Western Hemisphere, Caucasians have been trying to destroy people of African descent for millennia. Since 4500 B.C., the onslaught of white civilization intent on the demise of black people and cultural centers has been replete with genocide, guile, and lies. A nigger is the principal export and pinnacle of manufacturing in the United States. He is a machine with genes from West Africa, language from Europe, religion from Jews, and an identity and destiny predicated on confusion. That's what I got for you today, Sherwin. Oh, thank you very much, Teddy. That was very good. Okay. Thank you. You have a great day. Right, you too. That was good. It's profound. That was very good. I think he said the N-word more than four times, so it sounded like he said it a lot. All right, let's read some of these text messages. P. Hank says, I feel you when you said the gays took the rainbow. The rainbow was something that was a joy to look at, and now if you were to post anything with a rainbow on it, Automatically, people would think you are part of the LGBTQIA. If they wanted a rainbow as their symbol. Oh, now somebody just texted. I just lost the message. Dang, nab it. Where is it? It's gone. I got to go back another page. Y'all stop texting for a minute. Here we go. Um, If they wanted a rainbow as their symbol, they could have changed the colors to match the colors of the skin like black, brown, light brown, white, yellow, etc. So there's a more updated flag that does show hues of brown in the in the rainbow. And they didn't I didn't steal the rainbow. They just borrowed it. They just you know the rainbow still belongs to all of us. Monica says, Good morning, Sherwin. I myself I am not very religious. I'm more spiritual. But I think the point Bob was trying to make, the rainbow represents God's promise to us. The caller says 101.7%, Professor, he was some of the most intelligent humanoids refuse to use their brain power when it comes to religion. Okay, let's go to page two. I can't read. I can't read that, CJ. I can't. 
swallowed up. I can't forget. Courtney says colonization is rooted in stripping people from their culture and imposing white Christian beliefs on those they want to conquer. Always has been and continues to be stripping native children from their families and forcing them to speak English, breaking the backs of Africans to build this world, rounding up Asians and keeping them in camps full of white Christian propaganda, etc. The power needs to shift to gain power. Influence is needed. We have to teach children to listen to black and brown voices, black and brown stories, black and brown lives. Reginald says white people freaks of nature. Now that was a long diatribe about what Courtney says he is single and living. Them being obsessed by crazies isn't his fault. I knew we'd have a faithful text to send. Sean says Miss Rose mentioned war holding it contrary to Christianity. But the Bible speaks of many wars that transpire just as they do today. The caller says the above was depicted on an episode of Good Times many years ago. Michael, the youngest and smartest in the Evans family, brought home a painting of black Jesus. James got raised. J.J. got accepted, got a raise. J.J. got accepted to a top art school. Got accepted to a top art school. Thelma got a modeling gig and neighbor Walona got a raise at the boutique she managed, but Florida still made Michael put the white Jesus back on their wall after Black History Month, LOL. Reginald says, let the audience become indoctrinated to the Felicia. They'll be able to wrap their minds around that. Reggie says, Linda, bring the food and leave the chemicals to the chemists. Swallowed up. Have you ever been swallowed up? Wait a minute. T.D. Jakes really said that? Oh, please, Jesus, Lord, have mercy on my soul. Play that again. Swallowed up. Have you ever been swallowed up? Why would he say that? Why would he? One more time. One more time. One more time. Swallowed up. Have you ever been swallowed up? Oh, my God. They made a remix. Like there's a song? There's a song, like a whole, it, it's kind of, I, I hate is, to admit, I kind of like it. Is it vulgar? Does there any cussing in it? No, it just keeps saying the swallowed up. Oh, T.D. Jakes. So somebody said that Kenneth Locke just wanted to be swallowed up. If that brother ever meets me, either he going to shoot me or he going to pray for me. You might do both. That shook me up a little bit. I don't. Let's take a break. Why don't we do that? Let's. We're gonna take a break, and then when we come back. We're gonna continue the conversation. I'm gonna. I'm gonna read some more text messages, and then I'm gonna. Swallowed up. Have you ever been swallowed up? The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Would have been. 
swallowed up. Have you ever been swallowed up? Have you gone through a time of swallowing where everything was overwhelmed? Have you ever been swallowed, swallowed, swallowed up? Have you ever been swallowed, swallowed? I would have been. Have you ever been swallowed, swallowed, swallowed up? 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 I would. I'm going to hell. If God don't do it, it won't get done. <clears throat> Let's read some text messages, shall we? I assure you someone turned this show on for the very first time in their life. They're like, Oh, Hey, there's this guy on the radio. He's on between nine and noon. You should check him out. He talks about politics and about voting and you know, about policy and stuff. They're like, Oh really? Okay. I'll give him a try. So they got in a vehicle. Maybe they're on their way to a meeting and they're on their way to run some errands. And they say, oh, it's on one on one point seven. That's what somebody said. I'm going to listen to this guy I never heard of before. And this was the first time they ever listened to the show. And you know what they heard? Have you ever been swallowed up? So we either gained a new listener or we have lost thousands. T.D. Jakes. Don't let me hear nothing about him. I hope that he... Don't end up doing an interview. When I was talking about being swallowed up, I was sinning. I'm so sorry. And y'all would forgive him, too, if T.D. Jakes had a. Somebody said he has, like, armed security, like, at his house. T.D. Jakes has got a compound. Like I'd imagine his house is huge. He's got a huge megachurch. And he's in Texas, right, T.D. Jakes? Like, why would you need, if you covered in the blood of Christ, if you have a pastor as influential as T.D. Jakes, why you need armed security? Now, again, I just heard that. I don't know if he actually has armed security or not. Okay. Um, um, let's not, I'm not reading. Some, y'all are texting wild stuff today. Is it a full moon? Not going to read that. Professor Hughes, you will break the internet like Club Shay Shay when you get interview with Brother Al that's uncensored. N-I-G-G-A's that Chris Rock talked about on his classic stand-up routine are who I think Al is saying are oppressing other black people in Milwaukee. That's such a complicated conversation, y'all, because there are because really it's classism. Because African-Americans who obtained a level of education, they got a job, they got a career, they got a vocation, and they moved away from what I used to call the counterculture, right? The counterculture of African-Americans that have made being under the thumb of this society their world. Like they, they are the rebellious ones. They don't vote. They don't participate. They don't own anything. They don't feel like they have a share or a stake in America, and they basically have created their own culture out of that. But if you look at it, Critically and objectively, it's actually beautiful, even though the output of that culture is one that is dangerous and detrimental. It'll steal your car. It'll break into your house. It'll drive recklessly. It'll shoot people. It also 
shops a Ninja Turtle around the city. Can we talk about the Ninja Turtle? Somebody knows where the Ninja Turtle is. Why does somebody have a life-size Ninja Turtle and they place it around the city? It's very unusual. I think it's going to get shot, personally. Marvin says, good morning. I agree with Al. There is a segment of our society that people are just fed up with, and this is only one way of dealing with them. What do you do with generations of dysfunction? Here's why I'm very, very nervous to separate and stratify different classes of African-Americans. Look, I know that there is a difference, ladies and gentlemen. Trust me, I know. I really do. But the the African-Americans who don't like that incarnation and culture of black people, they're fed up with them. They're the ones causing all the crime. They're the ones that are always, you know, you go out to a nice restaurant or to a bar. They're fighting. They're yelling. They're being rude and obnoxious because their culture contrasts with genteel society. You know exactly who I'm talking about. They're the ones that don't tip at restaurants, but they ask for all sorts of extra service. They're quick to call a white person racist. You know exactly the culture of people that I'm talking about. But the African-Americans who are fed up with them, those are the African-Americans who are much more likely to gravitate toward Trump. Right. In a roundabout sort of way, when you begin to separate yourself from those that have the same history, you just had a different path and a different set of opportunities. But if you go back far enough, we were all the same. We all had zero rights. We all had zero ability to be upwardly mobile. Right. But as time goes on, because that's the beauty of this dangerous and poisonous system, you allow some African-Americans to make it to excel. So they can be the examples that everybody else needs to use, but everybody can't make it. Right. And so you have those that made it looking down on those that didn't because they believe that all of their life chances were the same. All of their life chances were not the same. And I know it may seem like that because that's a part of our indoctrination. We are supposed to think that everybody had the same shot. Everybody did not. I'm backwards on time. Not re am I over? Do I take a break or do I take one at 30, 25? Okay. Brian says he's right. Nothing operates in a vacuum. So at that point, neither does any fake spaceship from NASA. Brian, stop it. He's a flat earther that doesn't believe we landed on the moon. We just went back to the moon. Did we go back to the moon like on Saturday or something? Brian says, or Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Coalition. Salute to Joe Biden's car ad. He guarantees we won't lose our gasoline-based cars with his reelection. Salute to his handlers realizing no normal humans with souls wants to be forced into fully electric vehicles for some pipe dream Green New Deal BS. So here's the thing about that, Brian. I'm not going to like debate you on it because your your sentiments about normal, regular, understood, common sense things that can be proven by science. Like I can't even challenge that. The government won't require gasoline engines to stop being produced. The market will. People will eventually. There's a whole generation of people that, first of all, that don't even want to drive at all. And I don't blame them. But there's going to be also a generation of consumers that are not going to want gas-powered vehicles. And when people, the consumers, the market, don't want gas-powered vehicles, they're going to stop producing them because it's going to be counterproductive. That's just all you got to do is wait. But you also got to keep in mind that when the automobile was invented and starting to be mass produced, 
People thought the automobile would never amount to anything because people thought they would never give up their horses. And look what happened. You build an entire highway system because of the automobile. I'm not saying the electric vehicle is going to be that kind of a revolution, but it is a new and innovative way of transportation. And here's one thing that we know about just the world. Things change in advance and we get stuck in our ways and we want things to be like we remember them. We don't want change because that means that we have to adapt. I listen to y'all still continuously complain about having to scan your own groceries. Stop. Then just go to Instacart and have your groceries delivered. Like that's the biggest complaint that people have. It is a much more efficient way. If I just got a handful of items where I can just go to a little kiosk, put in my little, my phone number so you can activate my little saving, boop, 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 scan my little stuff, put in my card, uh, type in, you know, if I want cash back, have my card be charged, pull my card out the terminal and be on my merry way. Now I'll admit it took me a while to get used to the self kiosk and I messed up a bunch of times. You got to call the, the person there who's there to help you, the cashier, whoever that person is, that's just stationed to help folks. I had to call that person over a few times, but now I swear by it. If I do my large shopping trips, especially if I have a lot of produce that you got to type in individually, well then I'll go to a, um, to a normal conveyor belt cashier. Like if that's your issue, if you don't like self scanning your own groceries, because that's also how they keep the prices cheap. Because y'all got mad when grocery prices went up, didn't you? They would be even more expensive if you had to pay a bunch of cashiers, especially when the grocery store is not very crowded, but you got to pay 13 or 14 lanes of cashiers. That's going to make the cost of your groceries go up even further. So they're actually trying to save you money and y'all getting mad at that. Go to Woodman's. Woodman's has got 47 checkout lanes open 24 hours a day. It's Woodman's 24 hours. You ever been swallowed up? Let's read some of these. Oh, Vanessa said, yep, I sure did tell someone to tune in today. Damn. Hey, new listeners, I'm sorry. This is how it works over here sometimes. Like, I started out today real good, didn't I? I I, I was ready today. I said, how are we going to talk about do we believe women? And then if it's a pastor that's being manipulative and if a woman accuses a pastor, do we believe the pastor because he's a man of God or do we or do we believe this woman? But as a man, I am told that when a woman comes forward with all that bravery and all that courage to reveal where she has been harmed or abused or manipulated, I'm supposed to believe her. And I want to believe her because it doesn't cost me anything to believe somebody when they use that courage and that bravery to come forward. But then there's a whole bunch of people saying, no, don't believe her. Believe all those other women, but not her. Because are we supposed to believe Bill Cosby's women? What about Donald Trump's women? What about Bill Clinton's women? What about Harvey Weinstein's women? Should we believe them? Why are we picking and choosing who we should believe? Shouldn't the default setting be that we believe people, men or women or transgender or gay or straight or cisgender when they come forward? Shouldn't we believe them? And then let the evidence prove them right or prove them wrong. But it doesn't cost us anything to want to believe people because when we don't believe them, then the harm they are experiencing is able to persist and hurt people, hurt people. 
If someone is damaged and they've been manipulated, they've been abused, they've been assaulted some kind of way. And if they don't feel like coming forward because the community will not surround them and embrace them, then they may manifest that hurt in a bunch of other ways. And we don't want that. Sometimes I wonder what kind of society do we actually want? What kind of society do you want? One where we put all the N words on an island somewhere? Or do we want to try and work together with people that we are separated from? Because the reason why we have those divisions is a part of the oppressive system that we are all part and partial to. I love black people. I don't like some of the stuff that we do, but I know why we do some of the stuff that we do. A lot of us have just been misinformed. Or we act too much on emotion and not logic. I know why we do what we do. I know why we do most of what we do. Some of y'all do stuff I simply can't explain. Some of our style, some of our fashion, I understand some of it. Some of it I can't. Here's something I'll never be able to understand about our fashion and our style, and I'm guilty because I participated in this. I need a sip of coffee. You know that they say if you drink coffee, it reduces your risk of type 2 diabetes. No, that's what they say. I don't got the type 2 diabetes. Knock, knock, knock on wood. Who said that? Science. I read it in an article. People to drink at least, you got to drink kind of a lot. So each cup of coffee you drink reduces your risk of type 2 diabetes by 6% up until like 30% or something. You just drink it black, right? No, I can't drink black coffee. I do a little sweetened vanilla oat milk and a little Splenda. Not a lot of Splenda. Why you make that face? You like those weird sweetened stuff. Between that and the Mio, I just can't get with it. And you don't understand what I do. That's fine. Mio is a water flavor enhancer. It's got B vitamins in it. It's good for you. It gets you get the B vitamin because I don't eat a lot of meat. Even though I did have lamb chops, I had I had a taste of somebody's lamb chops on Sunday. But those of us that don't eat meat for every single meal, we might be low in B vitamins. So my meal got the B vitamins in it. Just take B, B vitamins. No. The truth was sure when he was on 101.7 FM. We'll be right back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. More of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. The award-winning 1017 The Truth proudly celebrates black excellence and the most monumental moments in our history. Tune in all month long, well, for the next two days, as we celebrate black history. 1017 The Truth celebration of black history is sponsored by Tayback Law, Educators Credit Union, Greater than the Medical College of Wisconsin, and American Family Insurance. The award-winning 1017 The Truth is home of UW-Milwaukee Panther basketball. Don't miss any of the hoops action by listening to Panthers basketball on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and all your favorite streaming platforms. 
the Panthers are on the road one last time Wednesday night before conference tournament play as they are set to take on the IUPUI Jaguars. Coverage begins at 5.30 with a 6 p.m. tip-off. And the award-winning 1017 The Truth is home in Milwaukee. I just read that. Just listen to the truth when Dr. Ken goes off because there's probably some basketball on. The award-winning 1017 The Truth is its all up. Panthers basketball. Apparently, we're black talking basketball. So just keep listening to the radio all the time. Sit in your car and just listen to the game. Scott Warris, he's very good. He has a real weird, like, you know, announcers have like their euphemisms. Ho ho, there's ice cream on that one. Like, he says weird stuff. No, he does. He has one that just doesn't make any sense. Well, that's a candle worth lighting. He does. He says, really, it doesn't make any sense. What's another one he says? Well, look at that chicken without feathers. I don't even know what that means in the context of basketball. What does that mean? And he, Rhea, I don't know why you're laughing. You must not have listened to Scott Warris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth App, and all your favorite streaming platforms because he'd be saying some outrageous stuff. He says there's there's more jello where that comes from or there's there's more jello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's on one of the promo. There's more jello where that came from. Now, look at that banana pudding. What does jello got to do with basketball? All right. What is this here? Oh, here's what I wanted to say earlier. This is from theconversation.com. How the legacy of slavery affects the mental health of black Americans. On July 22nd, so this is from 2015. On July 22nd, 2015, in announcing the federal indictment of Charleston killer Dylan Roof, Attorney General Loretta Lynch commented that the expression of forgiveness offered by victims' families is, quote, an incredible lesson and message for us all. Forgiveness and grace are indeed hallmarks of the black church. Since slavery, the church has been a formidable force for the survival of blacks in an America still grappling with the residual effects of white supremacy. This was eloquently illustrated in the aftermath of the Charleston church massacre. Americans rightly stood in awe of the bereaved family's laudable demonstration of God's grace in action without me getting back into the whole religious topic has our faith made us accepting, forgiving and submissive to the terror that has been inflicted on us. That's more of a rhetorical question because people have brought this up whenever this topic comes up and we talk about how religion is is necessary, right? And a significant part of how we get through really trying times as black people. And forgiveness and grace is also a part of it. We're very quick to forgive, aren't we? As black people. And that has been instilled in us through our religion, Christianity specifically. It is a tenet of Christianity to forgive. But then when you continue to forgive the same aggressor all of the time, then the aggressor believes that they can continue their aggression. It makes us look weak. Now, here's the other thing. We can't fight back. I know that you guys think that we can't. There's not enough of us. We can't wage war against anything or anyone but ourselves. And so for all of you to think, 
oh, we need to just fight back. We would be outnumbered. Not only would we be outnumbered, if you think about the art of what war is, war is production and distribution. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't produce anything. All of the things that we would need to wage a war, we're worse than Ukraine trying to fight Russia. Ukraine can't fight Russia without the United States supplying it. If we decide that we were fed up as black people, like, oh, we're mad. Let's go to war. Where are you going to get your guns from? Where are you going to get your bullets from? Where are you going to get your explosives from? Where are you going to get your tanks and your planes and your helicopters and your weapons of war? We don't produce any of that. We don't even grow our own food. I go to the Metro market. If we were in war, they would cut off all of our access to everything that we need. I don't, I can't grow food. What will we do? We don't produce anything, so we can't go to war. The article goes on to say, but what about the psychic toll that these acts of forgiveness exact? Events like Charleston put a spotlight on the growing body of literature that looks not only at the United States failure to have authentic conversations about slavery and its legacy, but also at the mental health impact of forgiving acts of white racism and repressing justifiable feelings of anger and outrage, whether these are horrific acts of terrorism or nuanced microaggressions. This person says that they're a social worker and an educator and a practitioner with 25 years of experience in the field of mental health, and they teach one of the nation's leading schools of social work, committed to preparing its graduates to work with racially and ethnically diverse populations, blah, 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 blah. Okay, it says religion is the buffer. In his seminal book, Mighty Like a River, The Black Church and Social Reform, sociologist Andrew Billingsley asserts that the black church is the only African-American institution that has not been re-envisioned in the image of whites. His research illuminates the role of religion in building the resilience that allows black people, that allows as people, allows blacks as people to overcome the various forms of terrorism and oppression endured over centuries that sustain doctrines of white supremacy. So that is a function that I see as someone who critically thinks about religion. It allows us to cope with the oppression that some black people will see on a daily basis. So your religion isn't necessarily about all of those other ancillary things. Those are just added into the fantasy of it. It is its existence allows you to cope with the stressors of being black in a country that resisted black participation in American society. Then religion makes more sense, but we add in all this other stuff and we use it to separate ourselves from the non-religious. His research illuminates the role of religion in building the resilience that allows blacks as a people to overcome the various forms of terrorism and oppression endured over centuries that sustained doctrines of white supremacy. Indeed, in his analysis of the African-American family, Billingsley concludes that it is, quote, amazingly strong, enduring, adaptive, and highly resilient. But as we pay homage to church and family in buffering blacks against the full effects of white racism, we must not obscure or diminish racism's impact on the mental health that few blacks, irrespective of educational, social, or economic status, will escape. There is increasing evidence that repressing feelings associated with acts of white racism may be psychologically damaging and lay the foundation for future mental health problems and behavior symptomatic of post 
post-traumatic stress syndrome. So this is where Linda comes in and always talks about all of the trauma that we deal with. I think we do repress a lot because if you called out, made mention of and documented and communicated every single act of racism, it would be a full-time job. But here's where it gets difficult and confusing. As an African-American man, if I go to an establishment, to a store, to a restaurant, and I'm ignored or I get generally poor service, am I just getting poor service or do they not like me because I'm black? And I'm always torn because the easiest thing to justify poor treatment is because, oh, because I'm black, especially if you are in an establishment where you're being served or serviced by Caucasians and you get ignored. I had a similar situation when I can't say the name of the place because I actually like shopping there. But it was actually an African-American man. Okay, I walk into this establishment and I it's a place where you I'm not going to tell you what it is. Now, should I tell? No, I can't tell you what it is. I walked in and the sales associate had his back turned. But I walked in and there was like a chime, the door chimed. So they knew that I walked in, but his back was turned, not intentionally. Just when I walked in, he was like doing something else. I walk in, I just start looking around, but I'm in the front of the store. This sales associate is near the rear, but a clear eye shot of the door. So he, if he just turned his body, would have seen that I'm at the front of the store. So I walk in, the door chimes. He's still got his back turned toward me. The door chimes again a second time. An older Caucasian gentleman, very well dressed, walks in. The black sales associate. So where we are in the store, the white gentleman is just entering the establishment. He's just in the doorway. I have made my way kind of into the store. So it's only two of us that are in there, myself and this other older, well-dressed Caucasian gentleman. And the black sales associate said hello, greeted, and then walked toward the older, well-dressed white man. And I sat there baffled. I mean, dumbfounded. What was that? Was I ignored by an African-American because I'm black and I very well may spend less money? And he went over to the well-dressed older Caucasian. Like he walked over to him. Hey, hello. Hey, how are you? And I just I tried to ignore it. And I went on about my business. So here's what I come to find out. That well-dressed older Caucasian man was just there to pick up an item. I actually spent money and purchased they rented something i was purchasing something big difference i spent more money so how was i supposed to take that now here's the thing if it was a white sales associate that would have been an act of racism so plain as day i would have started my show the next day with that scenario if i walk into an establishment and there's a white sales associate with their back turned and they ignore me the door chimes again, then a Caucasian person walks in and that white sales associate goes over to and approaches and greets that white person and ignores me. That's about as clear an example of racism as I could possibly give. But it throws me off because it was an actual black sales associate that ignored me and approached the white person. So it can kind of work both ways because African-Americans, as you hear on this show, we have preconceived notions about other African-Americans. Now, let me also say this. I was dressed down. I wasn't dressed fancy. 
I was just wearing, what was I wearing that day? No, I'm, I was wearing a button down and some jeans now. You know your boy don't never look sloppy when I leave the house. I'm always presentable when I leave the house because I never know which one of y'all I'm going to see. I made that mistake before. Oh, let me just run to the store real quick. I got to pick up some items real quick. I was looking not sloppy, but I was just wearing some sweatpants and just like a hoodie. You know, just kind of dressed down. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know who I saw. Next thing I know, I think Sherwin on that stuff. I saw Sherwin looking disheveled. I think he was on that stuff. Because y'all will talk about me like a dog. So when I leave the house, I try to be presentable. Because in the moment that I think I can just get away with just stepping out the house to run a real quick errand, that's when I'm going to see somebody. Ooh, Sherwin, are you okay? Everything all right at home? You look like you're having some problems. But I don't think it was the way I was dressed. I don't know what that was. But that scenario that I described can happen 10 times a day where you as an African-American, especially if you're in a neighborhood that does not see a lot of black people or if you're shopping somewhere that's high end. The tr- I'm hypersensitive to the treatment that I get. And maybe I overanalyze it because I'm expecting to be treated poorly. And when you have expectations, a lot of times there's a self-fulfilling prophecy and your expectations are met. So I'm going to take a break, come back, see if there's any residual text messages I need to read. I don't even know if I'm going to tackle the YouTube comments because y'all just get wild in the YouTube. Either way, we'll see what we have in the comments section on the other side. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Courtney says, I'm not going to interview based interview you based on your name. So many employers I have worked for skip over names that aren't Chad or Karen. Linda, what are you talking about? Barbara Smith says people who want to prey on certain segments of society, children slash young women will find jobs that will get them easy access to them. Pastors, priests, teachers, etc. Vanessa said, you're wrong for that T.D. Jake soundbite. Oh, no, we're not. Oh, if, if that's wrong, then I don't want to be right. Do you have it? I'm just curious if you have it handy. Like I swallowed up. Have you ever been swallowed up? I need the whole sermon. I'm sure it's on YouTube. I need to know the context of that. You played a little bit of the sermon earlier, didn't you? Like a little piece of it. Is it part of the song? Okay, let's talk to Kenya. Hi, Kenya. How are you? Hi, Sherwin. The reason why I'm calling, I've been waiting like four years to call about this, and my boyfriend would never let me call because he said it would make the other black people who came after me get poor service. And the word service, I use your name because you were promoted it on your radio show. Uh-oh. And because my boyfriend worked second shift, he wanted to take me the day before, the Valentine day before the crowd got big. Where did you go, Kenya? Your packing house on the side, oh. the famous fish fry place on the south. What happened? The fish fry place. Okay. 
Okay, so we went in. It wasn't many people in there, but they were all white. So we went in, and so we sort of got ignored. And so finally, you know, try to make a light, make a light. I said, I said, oh, yeah, we're here. We said, Sherwin told us about this place. So they looked like, yeah, right, Sherwin. And so then my boyfriend said, you know, they really don't know who he is. They just come on the radio just to promote, but they don't really have a relationship with Sherwin. So we waited and waited. And so finally, somebody who didn't really seem interested finally gave us a seat. We ate, ate we ordered a lot of food because, like I said, he wanted to make it special for Valentine's Day. And we even, when, like I said, she was slow, sort of ignored us. And we, he even asked for some extra napkins. And she hollered at him, you already got enough napkins. Oh! So like, okay, okay. So I said, so my boyfriend was getting upset. And I I said, just become. He said, yeah, right, because the next black people who come after them, they might spit in their food or whatever. I said, we're going to enjoy this day. And at the end, he asked me, well, what kind of tips? I said, give her a $20 tip. We gave her a $20 tip. And when we left, and he was on your show after that, I was going to, the owner, and I actually tried to call because I wanted to talk to him. And they said, well, what do you want to talk to him about? And they would always tell me he was out of town, and he could. So I sort of left it alone. And this was but four then, like years said, ago, work, Kenya. Yes, but like I said, he was always around. So I never could. But like I said, I was going to call because the the guy was on your show. That Chris is actually that. a friend and of mine. Here's the unfortunate thing: like his raggedy Rudy Poot servers, they don't know who I am, but Chris does, and I'm very upset. How do we make this right, Kenya? You want me? I'll make well, it I right. Had, I mean, I just had to let you know, and I use your name. Yeah, but you got to ask for the yeah, owner because right, those servers, they right. don't. They didn't know. They acted like. Yeah, so the servers what? don't know. But I just had to tell you the worst service I ever got was there. Damn. And that person, as mean as they I, they, I, I said, make them feel bad. Give them this because he asked how much. I said, give her a $20 tip. She got a $20 tip for regular service and didn't even want to give us an extra napkin. So that's that's it. But like I said, I never got the couple times when I tried to call, they would never. What do you want? He's all, he's always full call out of town so he actually does go i, I couldn't tell them because they were the mean people <sighs> so that's it so i, I you know I, I finally got it off my chest my boyfriend ain't listening because he told me i better not call the station <laughs> no i want you to call me why would it take you four years because if had you called me right away i'd have nipped it in the bud <laughs> if i give you a gift card would you go back where would you get a gift card from I'd get a gift card from the packing house. You go out there and you'd eat on me. Well, that's a lot of I said, we just said we'd never go back again, but he don't ha- see, he don't even know I called. So then your husband, he ain't going to want to go back even with a gift card. No, he ain't going to go back. But I look up, like I said, he said, he just said, when you get poor service, you be nice. Don't make a stink and give him a nice tip and leave it at that. Are you sure? You should have told me you was going. You could have asked for Joan. Joan would have fired those people. Okay, well that, that that's my story, and I finally got it off my chest. Well, I'm glad so you got it off no your chest. Now it's on my chest. Now, Kenya, you don't understand what you just did to me. Thank you, Kenya. Well, thank you for listening. All right, Kenya. Have a good day. Okay then. All right then. Now, Kenya. Okay, bye-bye. But now the public heard, they heard it. The Radio Land heard how I got treated at the place using your name. So don't use Sherwin's name anymore. Hey, wait. First of all, thank you, Kenya. Thank you. 
first of all, using my name could end up in deadly violence. So just, okay, I got to go. The show is over. Have a great day. See you next time.